last time, but this is officially the last time uh, that we're going to Hebrews chapter number 13 for a little bit, okay? So Hebrews chapter number 13, at least until we come back around to the book of Hebrews, uh, this will be the last time, all right? So Hebrews chapter number 13, and I've so enjoyed being here these last couple of weeks. As many of you know, we usually go verse by verse through the Word of God, and we've been doing the book of James for some time, and starting this year, we kind of took a detour just for what was supposed to be about two weeks, and it's turned into basically the entire month of January, Uh, but that's okay. It's uh, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. I don't know if you have, but I've gotten a lot out of it, and I hope that you've been able to pick up pick up some some gold nuggets as we went through it as well. And today we're going to wrap up, and you're going to see in just a moment how the music. And everything that we've been doing, and even in our Sunday school hour time, small groups, uh, how all of this has come together, and how it all ministers uh, together to our hearts, and I'm looking forward to diving into it together this morning. Let's do this. We're going to read these verses, and then we're going to pray together and ask for the Lord's help, and then we'll dive into the message this morning. Hebrews chapter number 13, and we're gonna, for context, we're going to begin looking at verse number 10. He says this, we have an altar. Whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacles. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, oh, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Let's ask for the Lord's help, and then I'm excited to dive into these verses together this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us now to be able to open your word. And God, I pray already, Lord, these verses are so rich. And God, I pray that already they are ministering to the hearts of those in this room. God, it's your word that makes all the difference, not mine. And so, God, I pray today that it would be lifted up, that you would be glorified, that Jesus Christ's name would be praised in everything that we say and do. God, I pray that each person that's here, the Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts. And God, that we would just have a fresh, just a sweet relationship with you for having been here today. And I pray, God, as we're going to see this morning, that that's exactly what we do, that we would praise you today with everything that we do. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do, what you've already done, how you've ministered to my heart this morning. And I pray that you do that in each heart this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, over these last couple of weeks... We've walked through from the altar of the cross of Christ. That's where we, we began. That's where we started. And we talked about how in that verse number 10, how it just says just so definitely, we have an altar. And that altar was not the altar that the, that the, the, the religious priests would go and sacrifice their animals on. That, that oftentimes they would do that after the death of Christ. They would do it uh, just, just simply uh, to, to, for, for appearance sake. They would do it uh, so, uh, for, for the sake of being religious. But it neither had the approval nor the blessing of God in doing so. Why? Because we have an altar. And it wasn't some altar made with hands. It wasn't some altar that was inside of a temple. 
No, that altar that we know from the Scriptures was the altar of Jesus Christ where He died and He gave His life for our sins. It is that altar that ought to be the motivator for the Christian life. Because of what He did, now we can serve Him. Because of what He did, we have the privilege to stand in the place of the priest. First Peter chapter number 2, he tells us this. He says, but ye are a chosen generation. Listen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. It's an amazing thing. No longer do we have to, to go to some man, some priest, to come to the presence of God. In the Old Testament, when they offered their sacrifices, what did they do? They would come into the priest, and the priest would take their offering, and he would offer it on their behalf. But no longer do we have to do that. Why? Because the Bible tells us now, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you become a royal priest. Many of you didn't realize that you were. You, you forgot to go out and get your nice robe and put it on this morning before you came in, alright? But no, 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 we don't have to do any of that. Why? Because we have access to the, the throne of God. In Hebrews, the Bible tells us in verse chapter number 4, verse number 16, it says, Let us therefore, as royal priests, okay, let us therefore come boldly into His throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. No, friend, we aren't priests that offer animal sacrifices, okay? If you think that's what you're supposed to do, um, we need to talk a little bit more, okay? That's, that's not what you're supposed to do. We're not animal sacrifice offerers, all right? We don't, we don't do that anymore. No, no, we, we offer different sacrifices. We come into the presence of, of God with other sacrifices, sacrifices like our possessions, our prayers, our person, our, our sacrifices that we offer to God. With the royal access that we have, we're challenged in verse number 13 to let us go forth therefore unto Him without the camp bearing His reproach. And then, in case you lose sight of the cross, He gave us that beautiful promise that we looked at last week in verse number 14. That here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. Aren't you thankful that this world is not our home? We said it last week, we're not home yet. You know, Christ is Savior. There ought to be a kind of a holy, uh, a holy dis- discomfort in this world. You should feel a little uncomfortable. Why? Because you're not home yet. But one day, you'll stand before Christ And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter. Everything else, all the cares of this world will all fade away. Why? Because you'll be in the presence of Jesus, your Savior. Oh, and finally, you'll be home. You'll be home. Now, as we conclude the thoughts here, and as the writer concludes this this real thought here, he invites us back into the royal throne room that we now have access to as priests. And And he begins by reminding us in verse number 15. He says this, By Him, therefore. By Him, therefore. Because He left the glories of heaven and came to earth as we celebrated just about a month ago. Because He faithfully lived on this earth and was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Because Jesus willingly offered and allowed Himself to be taken by the multitudes, because He allowed Himself to be accused and spat upon and and to be beaten, because He gave His body to be broken by a cat of nine tails and a crown of thorns, because He laid His life down when He stretched out His arms on that, that cross, because He took the iniquity, the sin of you and of me, because He did it, 
for us, because He gives us that promise of eternity in heaven, because of those things, you and I have a responsibility to step into the royal throne room each and every day of our lives and to offer our sacrifices to Him. Now, if, if we're supposed to offer sacrifices to Him, it's important for us to understand what they are. It's important for us to get a perspective. And we can go through the Scriptures, and like we already mentioned, we can find different sacrifices that we can offer in the Scriptures. You can go over to places like Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1, and you can find that we're supposed to give our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. You can go to Philippians chapter number 4, and you can find that we're supposed to give the sacrifice of our, our goods, our possessions that we have to God. You can go to the book of Revelation in chapter number 4, verse number 11, and you can find there where he talks about how we're supposed to offer the, the sacrifice of our praise to God, a sweet smelling or excuse me the sacrifice of our prayers to God which is our sweet smelling savor to him that we're gonna have a vial that's full of ointment that's the prayers of the saints hey those are all sacrifices that we should offer to God but here in Hebrews chapter number 13 he gives us another sacrifice a couple more sacrifices that we're supposed to offer you see, and as we come here, we, we find this additional sacrifice. He writes to us and he directs us to this first sacrifice. And that first sacrifice in verse number 15, can I tell you what it is? It's the sacrifice of worship. Sacrificial worship. Look what he says there again. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We are to offer the sacrifice of praise. Do you see how this all just flows together? Isn't this cool? All right. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Hey, hey, hey we, we went to, to, to uh, Psalm chapter number 150. Hey, praise him, praise him. In case you forgot, praise him, praise him. Pra- I mean, over and over again. Hey, praise the Lord. And here he tells us, hey, listen, you should offer a sacrifice of praise when continually. Listen, friend, this is not a flippant prayer of thank you, Lord, for this food I'm about to eat. Okay, that's not what it's talking about, all right? No, 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 don't forget the background that this is coming from. He just challenged these believers in Hebrews that they're supposed to go forth, therefore, unto Christ without the camp. Hey, Bearing the reproach of Christ. They were supposed to praise through difficulty. You see, it's those that he's talking about in Hebrews chapter number 11, verses 33 through 38, who he says this, who, who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness and obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions. Wow! Quenched the fires and escaped the edge of the sword and weakness were made strong, waxed valiant to, to fight, uh, turned the flight the armies of the, anim- uh, the, the, the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life. And others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Hey, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. Hey, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom the world is not yet worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. They, these people that suffered. These people that went through trials. 
who face persecution in their lives. It is them that he's writing to, whatever he says here. By him, let, by him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, even in the midst of all those things. See, it was written to people like Peter, who because of his stand for Christ was crucified upside down. It was written to to Thomas who who was speared through by four soldiers. It was written to Philip and Bartholomew and and, and Simon who who died on crosses. It was written to James the son of Alphaeus and and Matthew who were stoned to death. It was written to James the son of Zebedee who was beheaded. It was written to Judas the other disciple. Not Judas Iscariot, the other one. No, no, it was written to him who was stoned to death. It was written to Paul, who was beheaded by Nero. It was written to Stephen, who was bitten and then stoned by the crowd. It was written to John the Baptist, who had his head chopped off by Herod. It was written to John the Beloved, who was exiled to a prisoner's uh, island. It was Mark, who was drugged to death by horses in the streets of Alexandria. It was Luke, who was, who was hanged in Greece. Yes, it was all those who understood what it meant to suffer for Christ. Those who knew what it meant to bear his reproach. reproach. It was those who lived with the promise of heaven. It was those who knew what verse 15 meant when he talks of offering the sacrifice of praise. Continually. Because each one met their end praising their Savior. What does it take to stop your praise? What does it take to to stop you from lifting up and praising God? See, we can stand in a service like this today and it's easy when everybody's together and we're all singing the songs together. And and, I mean, it's, it's easy to praise God then. But what does it take to praise God? What's it take to stop you from praising God? Because it's easy to praise God when things are going well. When, when, when work is good, the family is healthy, it's easy to praise God when you're happy and life is easy. And listen, friend, we should praise God in those times. Hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the times where I'm on the mountaintop and I get to praise God. That's a good time to praise the Lord. But friend, too many Christians only praise God with their lips when things are going good. But we're commanded to offer the praise, sacrifice of praise continually. And that means we're supposed to praise God even when things aren't going good. The truth is, is most of us don't know what it means to sacrifice, to praise God through it. Because you understand this, sacrificing carries with it the idea that it should cost us something. When we offer the sacrifice of praise, friend, oftentimes it ought to be when we're going through a time where it's costing us something. In, in Acts chapter number 4, Peter and John were taken and they were threatened, they were beaten, they were told not to speak or talk about Jesus. I love this verse in verse number 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken you unto you more than unto God, judge ye. They said this, but listen. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In the midst of being persecuted and the threat of persecution, they said, we can't help it. We just have to keep praising God. Do you understand what he's done in my life, Peter says? 
John says, do you know the one that I know? He said, listen, I can't help it. Oh, I, 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 I can't contain it. I can't help but speak the things that He has done for me. i got to praise Him. Christian, what about you? See, the reality is most of us don't love God as much as we say that we do. Because the truth is we talk about those things that we truly love. You ever seen a, a young couple that but, but whenever they're engaged... You ever been around them? It's, it's kind of annoying. I mean, like, they just, they just constantly, t- they're constantly talking about each other and looking at each other and all that, you know, and they're talking. I mean, you, you talk to them and you want to talk about them and they want to talk about the other per- their, their fiance, and it's just like, my goodness, this is, oh, just wait. You know, that's why you, you always tell them, right? And, uh, you know, that's, that's the way it is, right? I mean, it's just constantly, you talk about it constantly, consumes them. You talk about things that you love. There's some here that, Listen, you, you won't talk about some things, but if we got on the outdoors, it would be like, man, you could just go on and on and on and on and on. Um, my, my father-in-law, he, he's an Angus beef rancher. I mean, this is what it is. And if you know Joe, my, my father-in-law, he can talk about anything. But there's some things in particular that he's passionate about, okay? One of those is, is cows. Um, <laughs> Now, I, I didn't come from that, okay? That wasn't the world that I lived from, and so you'd sit down with them, and like, I'm trying to connect. I mean, this is like, I'm trying to make a good impression on my father-in-law, you know, before he was my father-in-law, you know? I'm trying to talk with him, and he's talking about cows, and I'm just like, oh, you know? I mean, like, it's hard, you know? But, but is it, why? It's, it's something that he's, he's passionate about, something that he loves. Some of you, listen, listen, some of you are passionate about Fox News, and you love Fox News, and, and uh, that's all you want to talk about. And you want to talk about politics all day long and, and you can always find an ear that's that's right there with you and ready to go and and want to talk about it and you just love those things and some of you are like yeah you know I don't know a desire to talk about those things I hope I hope many of you love your kids I mean like that's a good thing and and you can tell when somebody loves their kid when they talk about them right I mean it just is what it is uh, our kids are over in in Broadus right now with uh with uh, their grandparents and and even last night we're at home Tress and I like first time we've been alone in a long time and what do we did we what do we do? We, we talk about our kids. You know, it's just, I mean, it consumes your life, right? I mean, why? We, we love our kids. It's evident. The reality is, if, if you and I talked about God as much as you and I say we love Him, our towns would be turned upside down for Him. We wouldn't be able to contain the crowd that was coming into the, the church this morning. But if we're honest, most of the time we aren't great at offering the sacrifice of praise. We don't really think about the altar of the cross or we forget about the promise of heaven and life gets difficult instead of turning to praise, we turn to complaining. Listen, friend, it's in the midst of trials that the most eyes are watching us. It's in the midst of trials that we have the greatest opportunity to offer our sacrifice of praise. You know, Job didn't get everything right in his story. In fact, uh, so, many, so much of our time we spend in Job chapter number 1, Job chapter number 2, and we kind of forget that there's like 42 chapters or something in the book of Job. There's a lot of things that takes place after that. In fact, uh, you get to chapter number 3 and chapter number 4 and some of those things, and, and you, can hit, you can see where Job really did start to struggle with discouragement and things like that. And, and, and it is a great study to learn about those things. But one thing that he did get right in his story is it's very clear that Job loved God. Because when Job lost everything, 
I mean, everything. I mean, you think about it. That Job, that you talk about a bad day. I mean, like he started the day as the richest guy in the land with the best family. I mean, he had, he had it all. All of his kids loved God. The Bible tells us that he offered sacrifices on behalf of his children in case they had sinned against the Lord in their heart. You know what that tells me? It means there wasn't anything that was just evident that they were out doing that was like, oh yeah, they're, they're away from God. You know, it wasn't anything. No, he said, I'm offering these sacrifices in case they, they sinned against God in their own heart. They loved God. I mean, he had everything. Children that loved God. He had all the, the riches that he could want. I mean, he, he had good health. He had everything. And, and in a matter of moments, it was gone. I mean, it'd be like looking at your bank account, and all of a sudden, it's like negatives. You're like, where did it all go? I mean, he lost everything. You go home after church, and the house is burned down, and the car's broken, and the kids are gone. I mean, everything. He didn't have anything by our earthly mental standards that we think to praise God for. He couldn't say, thank you, God, for my kids. He didn't have them anymore. They were gone. He didn't say, God, thank you for my job. Thank you for my home. Thank you, God, for the riches that you've given me. Thank you for the health. He he didn't have it anymore. He'd lost everything. It was all gone. And yet in Job chapter number 1, verse number 20, he says this. He arose. He rent his mantle. He shaved his head. He fell down upon the ground. And listen, he worshipped. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord had taken away, listen. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Because Job knew something that we so often forget. The sacrifice of praise isn't based on what we have. The sacrifice of praise is based on who God is. We've talked about it in our study through James. God is always good. And he's always right. And he is always worthy and deserving of the sacrifice of our praise. Hey, a couple of verses I just want to share with you this morning. In Psalm 107, verse number 2, he says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. In Psalm 19 verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O God, my strength and my redeemer. In Psalm 7 verse number 17. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. And will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. In Psalm 18 verse 49. Therefore will I give thanks unto the Lord, unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. And sing praise unto thy name. In Psalm 34 verse number 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth in Psalm 56 verse number 10 in God will I praise his word in the Lord will I praise his word Psalm 108 verse number 3 I will praise thee O Lord among the people and I will sing praises unto thee among the nation in Psalm 109 verse number 30 I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth yea I will praise him among the multitudes O friend Hebrews 13 15 by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of God God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name
game, friend. It's not based upon what we have, what we have been given. It's not based upon all the tangible things that you have in your life. The, the, the sacrifice of praise that we should be offered offering is based completely and solely upon who God is. And God is good. All the time, every time, every day, until you breathe your last breath. And after that as well, listen, God is good. And as royal priests, it is our duty to offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. And we are reminded that it is one of those sacrificial worships that we should give. I hope this morning that you'll purpose in your heart, that you'll see how important this is. That each and every day of your life as a priest, that you should come to God and bring your, your, your blessings, bring your praise to God and just thank Him for who He is. Just thank Him for all the things that He's given to you. But listen, friend, even if you don't have those things, we still have so much to thank Him for because of who He is and what He's done for us. The writer here in Hebrews he tells us, first of all, that we're supposed to offer the sacrifice of praise continually. Is the praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But then he wraps up with this first part in verse number 16. And he gives us a second sacrifice. And it's a sacrificial work that we're supposed to offer. It says this, but to do good and communicate, forget not. To do good and forget and to communicate, forget not. Now, this is an interesting phrase, okay, in, in, in the scriptures, okay? He says, don't forget to do good and to communicate, okay? I mean, that's, that's what he says here, you know? And, and, and in our minds, in our, in, our, in our English language, when we read that, it's like, oh, okay, do good, communicate, okay, yeah, that's fine. But, but there's so much more here than, than just the surface, okay? The word... For do good in the Greek has the sense of doing good to others. Okay. It's, it's specifically designated at, at blessing others. Not, not just oh, be, do, be a good person, you know, do the right thing. No, no, no. Specifically what he's saying here is he says, listen, your works should be doing good to other people. Okay, that's, that's what he's saying, saying here. So, so how do you do good for, for someone else? Well, I mean, we can do things like we can serve. That's a practical thing. I mean, we can think back to the night before Christ, Christ's crucifixion. And what did he do? He went over and he grabbed the towel and, and he grabbed the basin and he went to his disciples. And, and each one, the ones that were getting ready to betray him and deny him and reject him and, and, all, and all these different things. He, he went over to them and he took that basin and that towel and he washed the feet of his disciples. And he was showing them an example of what it was to serve even those who were going the very next day. To identify with the enemies. <laughs> well, that's what he did. He was, he was demonstrating what it was to serve. Serving would be a, a good thing to do to someone else. We can forgive. You know, forgiveness is one of the greatest things that you can do towards someone else. One of the most powerful aspects of the Christian life is to do good by forgiving someone else and not just forgiving them whenever they say they're sorry. It's a lot easier when somebody realizes and they feel bad about what they've done, isn't it? I mean, like, isn't that what we want? We, the truth is, is we don't want forgiveness to be offered to them. What we want is, is justification, right? I mean, we want, we want judgment to come down. We want them to realize what they have done 
and to say sorry and to gravel, you know, gravel a little bit and, and, and come you know, and beg us for our forgiveness. And then at that point we'll say, okay, you've done enough. I'll forgive you, okay? But, but do you understand that's not grace or mercy? It's not. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away you from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, listen, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's, for, for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You understand that the, the forgiveness that we're supposed to offer to others is the forgiveness that Christ demonstrated on the cross? When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? You understand nobody was coming to Christ's cross and saying, you know what, I'm so sorry that I put you here. There's no soldiers walking up to him, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I, that I punched you. I was the one, I, I'm sorry that I, that I hit you in the face. I'm sorry that I, I sped on you. I'm sorry that I put that crown of thorns on your head. I'm sorry I took that cat of nine tails and whipped it across the path. I'm sorry that I was one of those guys in the, in, in the crowd said, crucify him, crucify him. Nobody did that. And he looked down from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know it. They don't even realize what they've done. Do you know as Christians, that's what we're supposed to do? Ouch. That's hard. Somebody does something to us. Somebody says something to us. Family members. I'm telling you, the hardest people to forgive is family. I'm just telling you, this is. People that are closest to us, right? They, they hurt us. And what do we want to do? We want them to know what they did to us and how we feel. And so we have to put up this wall and we have to do all these things so that they understand what they did. And once they understand, then I'll forgive them. And No, no, no. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with us. It has everything to do, listen, it has everything to do with us and our relationship with God. Because he says, listen, if, if you can't forgive them, I mean, look at what I've forgiven you from. <laughs> kind of puts things in perspective. Do good, he says. Those are certainly aspects of what it means. But, but in this passage, he, he dives in a little bit further into this idea of doing good when he says to communicate. Okay? Now, uh, in our time, in, in our age, and in, in our English language, we understand what communicate would mean for us. It simply means that we should talk to each other. And listen, I know that, that many of us are very good at talking to each other. There's some that... Eh, it's not the strong point, right? I mean, we don't, we don't really want to talk to anybody, you know? I mean, like, that's how I am. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I, it's like every Sunday's like, all right, here we go. People are coming. We got to be nice, okay? I mean, like, that's, that's like kind of what goes through my mind, okay? It's like, I got to go talk to people. And, and it's hard because I'm, I'm naturally more introvert. I know, like, and this is weird, okay? Like, I could stand in front of a crowd. I can stand in front of you guys. It doesn't really bother me. I stand in front of, I've, I've had the opportunity to preach in front of thousands of people before. And, and it doesn't really bother me. It's just like, you know, but if I talk to them like one-on-one, it's like, oh, I don't like this, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's how I feel each, each Sunday, and so in our mind, we say, oh, be, to do good and to communicate, it's like, oh, that's stretching enough, but that's not what this means here. Some of you are like, whew, thank goodness, okay, now listen, that, that, that is entailed in this, but that's not specifically what he's talking about here, okay? The word communicate here carries with it a little bit something, something more. Okay, the, the word communicate here, it, it has the idea of 
fellowship or, or participating and sharing. It's, it's the Greek word koinonias. Okay? It's, it's, kind of a, it's a neat word. Carries with it some, some deep meaning. It, fellowship or specifically in this context and, and what it means here, it means to participate in sharing. Uh, this is a regular conversation in our house, okay? The topic of sharing. If you have children, you understand this, okay? And, and uh, uh, it just is what it is. I mean, uh, Katie and Dan, you're going to have another one here before too long, and, and you're going to find that throughout the week, it's, it's just repeated. You have to share, okay? I mean, like, this is what it is, okay? You have to share. You have to share. And, and a common phrase that is said in our house is, it's mine, okay? You know, get out of my room. That's my toy. I want this. I want to do that. And sometimes I want to look at them and say, listen, it's none of yours. I paid for all of it. It's mine, okay? I mean, like, that's what you, that's what you want to say sometimes. I mean, it's just the way that it is. But we, we teach this to, to kids. You're supposed to share with one another. It's what you're supposed to do. And, and you say it over and over and over and over again. And, and here in the passage here, it kind of has this idea that you're supposed to, to share with your brothers and sisters in Christ. In Acts chapter number 2, after 3,000 were saved and baptized and added to the church, the, the Bible says in Acts 40, uh, 2, 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the, the apostles' doctrines and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And it came, fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and all, had all things com common and sold their possessions and good and parted them to all men as every man had need as they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, there is one crowd that takes that and they say, well, this clearly promotes socialism. That's, that's, not, what that's, that's not what's promoting here. The Bible talks about they had, they had all things come and that they sold what they had and gave to those that had need. It's not saying, listen, we should all just, let's just form this commune and we'll just sell everything that we have, give everything to the church and we'll all just divide it amongst ourselves. We'll all just live uh, together. That's not what it's saying here, okay? That's, that's not the point, okay? You're missing the point. It's misconstruing the scriptures. No, what they were pointing here, out here was that the people, listen, the people were generous one to another. They, they had an attitude of this, God has given me so much that when I have opportunity, I want to bless someone else. I want to be generous towards someone else. And what a wonder. The Bible says when the church had this attitude, when they were looking at each other and saying, listen, I want to be a blessing to this person. I want to be encouragement to this person. I want to help this person. When the church had that attitude, guess what happened? This is crazy. It's going to blow your mind. The church grew. <laughs> you know what the world sees in most churches? <laughs> it's mine. That's <laughs> what they see. There's very little love in the church, okay? Very, very little generosity within the church amongst believers. Most of the time, it's like, I'm going to come into the church. I'm going to sit in my seat. When the church is over, I'm going to get up. I will say hi to the pastor, but that is it. Sometimes I'll sneak around to the other door and go out the other door, so I don't even have to say hi to him. And, and that's what I'm going to do, okay? Yeah, I know some of you, okay? I know how this works, all right? That's, that's the mindset of the church. It's no wonder people don't want to come to church, if that was my paradigm, that's what I would think. Like, I want to go be around those people. 
All they do is complain and gripe about the politics and who's the president and, and all they do is, is fight with each other and churches are splitting. And all this. I mean, like, who wants that? But not this church. Generosity, graciousness towards one another, community. Community. They communicate. Friend, when, let me ask you this. When's the last time that you communicated with someone else in the church. I'm not talking about you got up after service and like maybe this, for some of you that is the starting place where you need to like get up and walk over and say hi to someone and be nice. I mean like that, that could be what it is. But when's the last time that you tangibly communicated with someone? I'm not talking about something extravagant. I'm just saying when's the last time that you tangibly thought of someone else? Tressa and I had only been married for, for a short time. We were living right here in town just, just up the road here and and uh, I'll never forget it. I mean, still to this day. We, we were there one night, and, and I'd gotten off of work, and I got home, and we're there, and all of a sudden we heard a knock on our door. And went back to the door, and we, we opened it up and looked out there, and there was a couple that was from the church. They don't, they're not here anymore, but at that time they were here at the church. And, and they said, hey, we just wanted to, to give you a little something. I don't, remember, I don't even remember what it was, $50, $100, $150. I think it was like $50. They gave us $50, I think it was. And they said, hey, we know you're a young couple. We know what it's like to be a young couple. We just wanted to give you guys a little bit of money to, so you guys can go get, have a date. Just, just the two of you. So you guys can get out and do something and just enjoy a night, a night alone, just the two of you. And uh, they said, that's it. And they, they, closed, they, they walked over, got in the car, drove away. And I mean, that, that was it. And I, like to this day, I still remember that. Because at that time, I mean, like, listen, we've all been done the young couple thing. Many of us have done the young couple thing. And, and you know what it's like to be a young couple? It's hard. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're just trying to learn how to live with each other. I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's difficult. And to have somebody come along like that, and it was just like, oh, man, it, it blessed us. It encouraged me. It, it was a blessing to me. Friend, you may not be able to... You may not have the extra money to be able to pay for somebody else's date night, but, but maybe you could be a blessing in another way. Hey, we, we live in Montana. You could shovel somebody's sidewalk. You could offer to watch somebody's kids for them. Help with a the project they have going on. See, we live in such a self-centered world that if the church would just decide to share with each other and praise God out in the world, it would it would turn our world upside down. The doors of the church would not be able to contain the crowd. As we finish up this morning, Galatians chapter number 6 is a powerful passage that points to this idea that we find here of communicating with one another. Sharing someone else's struggle and lessening their load. Galatians 6, 1, it says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. He says, listen, this is what happens, okay? He's writing to the church at Galatia, and he says, sometimes in your congregation, he said, there's going to be somebody that you know, Somebody that comes to the church, and maybe they sit on the other side of the auditorium or, or whatever, but, the, but there's going to be somebody in the church that all of a sudden, they're not going to be there anymore. Something happened. They stumbled. Maybe it was spiritually. 
Maybe they, they made a bad decision. Maybe they're just going through a difficult time. And he says, when they stumble, he said, if you're spiritual. Now, let's, let's, let's be honest. Most of us aren't spiritual, okay? That's, just, that's, that's the, the problem, okay? We're not being led of the Spirit. But if we'd be led of the Spirit, he says, here's what you should do. He said, you should restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. That means looking at yourself and listening and saying this, that could be me. The Bible tells us in Jude, verse number 22, and of some having compassion, making a difference. Seeing somebody else that's, that's hurting and going through something and saying, listen, if that was me, what, I w- what would I want somebody to do for me? They're down, they're out, and you look at them and say, listen, I, I want to be a blessing to them. I want to try to restore them back to that place. I want to try to help them, to encourage them so that they can get their feet back under them. Listen, it's not always monetary. I said that word kind of weird, okay? It was, it's not always money that we're talking about. There's sometimes it's just a phone call or a text message to say, hey, listen, I want you to know I miss you and I'm praying for you. Sometimes it should be monetary. And he goes on in verse number three. He says this, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Well, let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing himself alone, not another. For every man shall bear his own burden. You know what he's saying there? He says, listen, because some of you are going to find yourself where that person is. That's what's going to happen. Some of you are going to find yourself there. So prove your own work. Hey, understand this. Listen, you're, you're going to bear this, a burden like this at some point, And you're going to want somebody to come along and, and encourage you as well. Paul goes on there to the Galatian believers and he encourages them, uh, that, that, that believe he encourages them who teach to, to encourage the people that teach the word of God. In verse number six, he says, let him that is taught in the word communicate. Hey, there it is again. Communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Koinonia. It's the responsibility of the church to bless the person that is blessing them with the word of God. He says the same thing in verse number 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to the all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. I'm thankful for a church that, it, that is gracious in this way. And it's always, it always blesses my heart whenever we have somebody that passes through and, and our church has a gracious heart towards Towards being a blessing to that preacher or that pastor or that person that preaches. And listen, that is the responsibility of the church to do that. But then he, he goes to verses 7 and 9. I don't want you to miss this, okay? I don't want you to miss this. Be not deceived. Do you understand? We, we know these verses, but sometimes we miss that they're in the context of this passage. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that that in like kind, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in what? In well-doing. Do good. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. See, when we choose, here, here's what he said. When we choose to live our life with an open hand before God and before men. What does that mean? That means when God blesses us, that we take opportunity when we can to bless others. It's amazing when we do that, how so often more blessings come. 
you sow and you reap. But if you sow not, you reap not. And if you sow sparingly, you reap also sparingly. But when we sow the way God tells us that we're supposed to, graciously, it's amazing how God blesses and blesses and blesses beyond what we could ever imagine. Now here's the key to giving sacrificially. To, 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 to living with sacrifice of praise on our lips. Here's the key, okay? Verse number 16, it's the end there. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When we choose to worship God with the sacrifice of praise from our lips, publicly, continually, when we communicate with each other sacrificially, it is then that we see that God is pleased. And I don't know about you, but as we tie all of this together in one big bow, or one big package, and we put the bow on top, listen, there's nothing more that I want to do than to please the one who gave his life for me on the altar of that cross. Friend, this morning, let's decide as royal priests to take every opportunity God gives us to offer sacrifices to Him. And while we do it, we'll bring glory and praise to His name. I hope that's the testimony of Whitehall Baptist Church. I hope it's the testimony of your life as well. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed as we finish our service this morning. Hey, it was a different type of message, I know. But maybe some of you are here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I, I haven't been praising God the way that I should. My praise extends in this room and that's pretty much as far as it goes. When we sing songs and things like that, that's as far as my praise goes. But today I need to realize that, that sacrificial praise is so much more. And this morning I want to offer my sacrifice of praise to Him. My lips, oh, if I just do it throughout my week, how it could change things. Maybe you decide today, Lord, help me to live generously. Not, not to live with, within myself and, and, and to do things uh, just, just with a closed hand. But God, help me to live sacrificially and generously towards you and towards others. Oh, we, we will reap if we sow. It's a promise from God. And I hope that we'll be a church that'll purpose to say, God, help me to be generous towards others. Because I know that it, that it pleases and praises you. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, the music's going to play. I hope that you respond to the Lord this morning. Let's stand together as the music plays. And maybe you need to make your seat an altar. You want to come to an altar here in the front. You sure can do that as well. But I'd encourage you to take a few moments and just spend some time with the Lord in your heart. And just talk to Him. Maybe this morning God pointed something in your life, an area. You know, the truth is we ought to continually be growing. Maybe God has blessed you so abundantly and, and you're looking at your life and you're saying, God, how do you want me to, to be a blessing to someone else? Friend, it, it's such an encouragement when you have the opportunity to, to be gracious and generous towards others. It's just, it just is.
It's amazing how when you're generous towards others, it's amazing how God seems to always just take care of your things and your needs. Because the truth is you, you can't outgive God when it comes to, to tithing, when it comes to offerings. And can I tell you this? You can't outgive God when it comes to blessings either. This morning, can I encourage us? God, help us to live generously.